welcome to the Balanced Ballerinas podcast. I am your host, Georgia Canning, and I feel like I haven't said those words in such a long time. I am so sorry that I have been absent, and thank you for your sweet messages. I received so many over Christmas and New Year checking in on me, people who perhaps also don't attend my studio who didn't realize I was taking such a big break from the studio too that were like, Georgia, are you okay? Like you haven't released a podcast episode for a while. I think that's what happens when you're so consistent and then you stop. People think something terrible's happened to you, but no, I'm absolutely fine. I just needed a bit of a break over the summer. So firstly, a huge thank you to the Balanced Ballerinas community for allowing me to take a break over the summer. I took a whole month off from teaching and blogging and vlogging and podcasting and just the general day-to-day business of, I guess, running a dance studio that nowadays hosts hundreds of adults and children every week. Since opening my studio back in 2013, I had to think about that for a second, <laughs> I have never just stopped like that and I really needed to. Like I think many people, I was just completely exhausted by the difficulties of 2020 and like so many I just needed to catch my breath and I have you know I must admit um, though as everyone heads into 2021 with you know a bit of enthusiasm and high hopes for a new year I'm a little bit wary (laughs) this year um, I had to think about how I want to sort of go into this year and how I want to tackle 2021 and I've come to the conclusion that I'm simply going to courageously participate. (laughs) It's not exactly optimistic, but it's not pessimistic either. So I guess I'm really on brand. It's very balanced. (laughs) I think I found scrolling through whether it was Instagram posts or Facebook or podcast episode titles from other podcasters, the vibe was very much like 2020, you know, was such a show and and now we've got 2021 to look forward to and it's a fresh start and how you can, you know, step in with more resilience and yada yada. And and I sort of was like, I really can't be bothered listening to those kinds of episodes. I want to just participate and <laughs> be comforted by the fact that if everything, you know, turns to mud again this year, at least I built the tools and resources to be able to tackle it last year. And it was really funny. I It's another reason why I haven't released an episode for a while because I thought, well, I'm not going to be releasing that kind of episode because I'm not really feeling it. I just want to sort of come into this year a little bit more realistic and a little bit weary. I don't know if that's a good thing, but I guess I'm probably experiencing like many people lots of PTSD from 2020 so I'm just going to be a little bit more balanced I guess in my approach to this year and my goal is to just be really solid really solid with my classes with my business structure with my teaching with my energy and just set a really solid foundation this year that not only serves me but I guess also my clients ultimately so I listen to lots of true crime podcasts over the holidays. (laughs) Read into that what you may. Um, I definitely wasn't listening to the New Year, New You vibe ones. But 
So I hope to bring you a little bit of realism with this episode as our first one of 2021. I am back and I'm feeling, you know, much more inspired to continue sharing the Balanced Ballerina's message. And speaking of messages, it's actually Valentine's Day when this podcast episode drops. And I sent out an e-newsletter last week, which had a Valentine's theme. And I shared with the Balanced Ballerina's community that Valentine's for me has never been romantically inclined or driven by whether I had a boyfriend or not at the time. It's always been just about celebrating love. And I think that came from my mum growing up. She really instilled in us I mean she loves a good holiday she'll celebrate Patrick's Day St. Patrick's Day and Easter and oh it just goes on and on any holiday mum loves to celebrate it but on Valentine's Day she always used it as an excuse to really drill home how much she loves us in the form of a chocolate or a flower or a card and you know people say those things are frivolous but it was really lovely I loved being at school and opening my lunchbox and having a little chocolate heart and a note from mum that said happy valentine's my darling i love you and it did it made me feel really loved and now that mum and i have our own studio we instill sort of this notion around valentine's day that it's just about celebrating love all over again with our especially our youngest students so we actually have these red love hearts that mum personally cuts each and every one out um, that the children write on and they write why they love dance and it's really sweet reading all their messages and then we pop them up on the wall to create a big massive love heart and it's really beautiful so I wanted to share with everybody that on this day especially if you're listening to this episode on Valentine's Day and you're feeling a little down I'd love you to think about why you love ballet, whether you're an adult ballerina or a young student, or if you're a parent, why why do you love that your child loves ballet? I'm sure you can think of a million reasons. There's just so many benefits, and I think the best thing to do sometimes is to just share these benefits that are experienced by adult ballerinas themselves. They're always very good at articulating why they love and benefit from ballet. So I'm actually going to share a listener call from Jennifer. Hi, I started dancing at the age of four. Ballet, tap and jazz, that was what was on offer in the 60s and 70s. I seemed to stop at around the age of of 16 to pursue education, then work, travel, marriage, family. I went back to dancing about 20 years ago as a single parent and having a child with severe autism and intellectual impairment. I found it a great stress release and I started with tap and the tap technique came back to me really quickly. But two years ago, I went back to ballet. I found um, adult ballet classes and the biggest benefit of ballet for me is that it's pure escapism. It takes all of your focus. You cannot think about your problems and do ballet. I love its grace and its beauty, and I love the friendships with like-minded ladies that I've made. I would love also to be better, but I will always do my best. So, yeah, I absolutely love dancing. It's the highlight of my week. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for sharing that little voice memo, Jennifer. I actually have to admit everybody that I received that a very long time ago and I have yet to 
put it in a podcast episode. So I'm so glad I shared it today and I'm on a roll. So I'm also going to share one from Vicky, who's also an adult ballerina. I started ballet when I was 30 years old and I started it because I was trying to combat some extreme anxiety issues and force myself to get out of the house and be around people doing something creative and emotive, just something new. I'm 34 now, so I've been doing ballet for four years and it's now the best physiotherapy I could have asked for because I have um, knee and hip issues. But the biggest benefit that I've gained is that it's been the most incredible self-love tool for my mental health. I can't meditate for various reasons, but it doesn't matter because ballet has become my meditation. When I step up to the bar, I step out of my mind and into my body. I move with my emotions rather than my mind, and it gives me that space inside my head that is the best mental health tool I could have ever asked for. Honestly, I could be having the worst day and even if I come to class feeling stressed or upset, I leave feeling a release and it helps me process my world a bit better. And for that, I will be forever grateful for ballet. There's just something so special, isn't there, about listening to someone's words in their own voice. So if you would love to be featured on the podcast and if you would love to send me a voice memo, I love receiving your messages on Instagram or email, but I think it's even more special in a voice memo. You can easily record it on your iPhone and then email it to me, hello at balanceballerinas.com. Honestly, send me anything that's on your mind. You've just been at class, you had a bad day, you know, your tondus weren't working. I want to hear about it. Send it to me. And of course, with your permission, I would love to share it with everyone else because you know what? It makes us feel less alone. So before we go any further, if you're not already part of the Secret Balance Ballerinas Facebook group, make sure you jump on and join in the conversation. Look, this year, I'd love to see more people use that space to ask each other questions, share photos from class or even recommendations. Um, It's just a really, it's turning into a really lovely, caring, beautiful space. So jump on there and I'll be sure to accept your request to join. Now, speaking of recommendations, whenever I do a solo episode this year, I'm actually going to share three recommendations that you might also find useful or interesting. So in case you haven't already cottoned on by now. Uh, This is a solo episode. There is no guest, although I have an amazing guest lined up. Or I'm going to give you a clue though. It's actually guests, plural, um, for the next episode. So before um, that drops, I wanted to come in with a solo episode and explain that this year, every fortnight, you'll either get just me and then the following one, you will have a guest of the Balanced Ballerinas podcast. So when I do a solo one, I want to give you some recommendations, things I've been listening to or reading or enjoying that you might also enjoy too. So over the summer, I actually read David McAllister's autobiography, Saw. For those overseas that may not know who David McAllister is, he is the ex-artistic director of the Australian Ballet. He recently handed over the reins to David Hallberg, another David from one David to another. And... um. Also, I might add that David Hallberg's book, A Body of Work, is one of my absolutely favorite reads. So I highly recommend David McAllister's autobiography, Saw, and I also recommend David Hallberg's A Body of Work. So get your hands on those. Um, 
And um, on another note, it's really exciting watching David Hulberg in action down at the Aussie Ballet Studios. Jump on his Instagram. He posts lots of behind-the-scenes footage, so enjoy. You're welcome if you're not already on to it. My second recommendation is Progressing Ballet Technique Online Portal. So everyone knows that I love Marie Walton-Mann from Progressing Ballet Technique. She is the founder and director. And... I've actually interviewed her for the podcast, so do a search if you haven't listened to that episode. It's Marie Walton-Mann. I think it's titled The Marvelous Marie Walton-Mann, and she is just incredible, just amazing. Progressing ballet technique, for those that don't know, um, is basically a fusion of Pilates and body conditioning using Swiss balls or small yoga balls, um, therabands and different equipment to basically improve your ballet technique. I have been during the holidays doing her online program. She's actually just recently developed an adult specific version. So if you want 50% off your membership, email me hello at balanceballerinas.com or send me a message on Instagram with your email address and I'll ensure that you get 50% off. So that's pretty cool. And um, I just can't recommend it enough. I use the PBT program with my students every week. And finally, my third recommendation and perhaps, hint, hint, might be some homework for you for next week's episode. Go listen to the Ballet Piano Podcast by Chris and Akiko Hobson and Matthew Gregory. Fantastic podcast. Amazing. If you attend ballet classes, you will love. Just go have a listen. That's all I'm going to say. Now, considering it's the start of the year and probably guessing by today's title, you will have seen that I thought it might be nice to do a fun sort of top 10 episode. And today's top 10, as suggested by the title, is the top 10 ballet-related inquiries I receive at the start of the year. So I have 10. Let's get going. Number one is I'm afraid to start ballet. And this is usually from an adult ballerina. I have had people book in for classes before and not show up and then I receive, you know, an email saying I sat in the car in the car park and I was too afraid to come in. I'm so sorry. And that just breaks my heart because yes, ballet can be really intimidating and especially if you have never done ballet before, it can be quite, I can see how it could be quite an intimidating experience. But Honestly, I am yet to actually come across a group of especially adult ballerinas that don't radiate sort of good vibes for everybody in the room. Like I know that in some children's settings, especially in a pre-professional environment, there can be lots of sort of judgment and competition. But in a space where no one's actually training to be in the American Ballet Theatre, for example there is very little, if any, competition um, and judgment. And I always say too that, that I always say this in my class to all my clients, if you're really self-conscious and thinking that everyone's watching you, you need to get over yourself because everyone is far too self-absorbed and they're too busy watching themselves. And if they're watching anyone, they're watching me as the teacher. So, and I just know that 
I mean, personally speaking, all my clients are so supportive of one another. So when you walk in, I want people to walk into their first ballet class feeling okay and feeling supported and and just be a bit brave. If you're listening to this podcast and you have signed up for ballet classes before and sat in the car park, but you love ballet and you know, you're obviously listening to this podcast, but you get to even step into a class, I want you in 2021 to be really brave. Get out of the car. Go. Yes, what's the worst that's going to happen? I mean, especially if you have picked a beginner class, you know, pick the lowest class you can attend, whether it's a beginner or a level one or however it's structured, wherever you are, and go and have fun. Take a big breath, put your big girl pants on and do something that scares you because you know what? The stuff that scares you is usually the most worth it. Number two, I don't have the flexibility, the body, the gear or the permission to start ballet. Again, this one's usually from an adult ballerina. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You don't need that much flexibility to do a ballet class, especially if you're a beginner. I think sometimes people think you're going to go into class and be asked to do the splits or be asked to do a leg mount. And that is absolutely not the case at all. What's so great about ballet is that you're doing actions like a combre, which means bending of the body or a port de bras, which is the use of the arms. And what you're doing is you are moving in a way where you're relaxing and using the breath and you're moving into more flexible movements kind of sneakily, like without your body knowing it. So you gradually and safely and slowly get more flexible over time. So you don't need to be flexible to start ballet. And if you do go to a class and it's a beginner level and they ask you to do the splits right away, get out of there ASAP. That is not a ballet class. (laughs) Okay. People who don't have, they feel like they don't have the body. Okay. Guess what? If you do ballet consistently, you know, once or twice a week and that means to me you have a ballet body in my classes there are so many different varying body types it would blow your mind I actually think on the topic of body that I do think one of the reasons why I have quite a lot of adults attend my classes is because I actually don't typically have what you would call a inverted commas ballet body. I have done lots of things since I stopped my pre-professional training that I guess maybe confused my body. <laughs> so I've built muscles in ways that that are not typically balletic. So I did lots of CrossFit and lots of running and lots of um, gym work for a period there. I am literally a bit curvy in my active wear and, you know, rarely wear leotards and things. Not because I'm like uncomfortable wearing one, but because I wore a leotard like forever when I was younger. So I think sometimes maybe when people come to my ballet classes, they feel it a bit refreshing that the ballet teacher isn't that stereotypical sort of tiny, tiny ballet teacher. And maybe that's a bit more welcoming to people that don't have again in inverted commas that ballet body but I want everybody to know that ballet over time will actually lengthen out your muscles and improve your posture and as we all know we actually our bodies change 
in a really beautiful way when we have the most amazing posture. So if you do ballet, you have a ballet body, okay? And if you are wanting to, you know, come into class and you don't feel like you have a ballet body, you know, don't be afraid to talk to your teacher and say that that's how you're feeling because I'm sure they'll have some really beautiful words of encouragement for you, which is what I do with all my clients. Now, the gear, I'm going to keep this really short and simple. Like I said before, I'm in active wear. I don't really wear ballet gear except for my ballet shoes. Um, And even then, if it's your first class, socks are okay, a bit slippy, but you know, they're okay for your first class. You do not need all the gear. You don't need multiple leotards and skirts and therabands and all sorts of, you don't, you just don't need it. And finally, the permission to start ballet. You don't need anyone's permission. I find that a lot of the time when people tell their family and friends that, for example, they're starting adult ballet, family and friends can be really judgmental. For example, I have multiple clients tell me that when they first told family they were going to do ballet, they ridiculed them and their family was like, that's just for children. You can't start ballet as an adult. My recommendation is to actually, if you're starting to think about, you know, starting adult ballet classes, keep it to yourself at at the, you know, at the start, keep it to yourself, start classes, see that there's a whole nother world and a whole nother community of people that are very like-minded and you then have evidence that this is definitely where you need to be and then you won't be worried about you know later when you tell your family down the track if you're really now comfortable in your new adult ballet for example environment you're not you're going to be less worried about family and friends that say a mean comment so just go along to class and just keep it your little secret for a while until you're super confident that, you know, this is something you want to do and then you're comfortable to share it without worrying about other people's opinion. Now, number three. Okay, so I get this one all the time, probably throughout the year, not just at the start of the year. Can I just watch the first class? Now, my simple answer is no, you cannot watch the first class. For example, if I was to go do a yoga class and someone was sitting in the corner watching, I would be so uncomfortable. I would be so uncomfortable. Not that I would be worried that they're judging me or anything. It's just that I'm doing particular poses that I don't particularly want, you know, someone's eyes glazing over. Um, And also ballet is kind of the same. Like in that studio environment, You don't want to have someone sitting in the corner staring at you, Um, whether you're a beginner and you're feeling incredibly vulnerable or whether you danced an incredible lot as a child or even as a professional that could, you know, make you nervous and bring you back to 16 year old self with, you know, adjudicators judging you and make you feel really, you know, even though that person's just a newbie watching and trying to get the gist of the class it could really throw you off. So I never allow people to come and just watch my classes because I'm really protective over the clients that have paid to be in the room doing class. And I must admit, the best thing to do is to just join in, to just join in and give it a go. I've always wondered, because I've been teaching adult ballet now for like nine years, whether I've always had this rule. And I was talking about it with one of my beautiful clients, Virginia, who owns Demi Point Dancewear, which is the beautiful bespoke custom made skirts. Go check her out. Um, 
she actually attended my very first adult ballet class that I ever put on at the studio. And she said to me, I was one of those people that sent you an email saying, can I just watch? And you were like, absolutely not. So apparently I've had this rule for a very long time. So just go. You wouldn't ask a yoga teacher if you can watch class. Don't ask your ballet teacher if you can just watch class. Join in. Have a great time. Or not. And then don't come back. That's okay too. (laughs) Ballet's not for everybody, but at least you gave it a go. Number four. Now this is a bit controversial, my opinion anyway about it. Can I get a free trial? Now, this comes from parents of little ballerinas and it also comes from adult ballerinas. My opinion on free trials, for example, at my studio with children, children can attend a class that's not full already and see if they like it. Now, if they continue on with that class for the term, they will pay for that session that they did. If they really didn't enjoy themselves, which to be honest really happens, um, we don't charge them for that class. They can walk away, all good. Now, it's really difficult with adult classes because most of my classes are fully booked. It's actually not a very good financial decision for me to even offer free trials because that would be taking the place of a paying client. It would also be taking the place of someone who's a regular client of mine and possibly, you know, comes to the same class every week. So I just don't, for starters, even have room for free trials. But I also don't believe in free trials. I feel like especially with an adult ballet class, I mean, children are a little bit different because children can sort of be a bit fickle and a bit, oh, I want to do this, I don't want to do that. And, you know, if parents are forking out a lot of money for a uniform, You want to make sure that they're going to be enjoying and sticking to what they're doing. Like that's very different. I understand that. But with adults, you know, you've done your research. You're not attending an adult ballet class unless you sort of really want to. Um, And you don't have to buy all the gear for the first class. And it's sort of an experience that you will always get something out of it. Whether you keep attending ballet classes then for the rest of your life or months later or, or whether you never attend a class ever again, you still learn something off that teacher. You also learn something about yourself. You also use the resources of the studio. So I actually don't believe in free trials and it's funny when someone will argue with me about it and say, well, I don't understand why you don't offer free trials and what if I don't like it? And I'm like, well, if you don't like it, like you don't like it, you don't need to see you again. You only paid, you know, $19 or whatever it was and um, off you go. And I'll be honest, they're the clients I don't want anyway. So that's one thing I always get asked about free trials, free trials at the start of the year and I just say, no, sorry, that's not how it works. Number five, I know I'm a beginner, but that class time doesn't suit me. Can I come to the advanced class? Now, I actually get this from adult ballerinas and parents of younger children. So in an adult context, flat out, I highly recommend making it work, making the space and the time for attending the correct class for your level. I have had in the past people call and say, well, why do you only offer beginners on this day? And why do you only offer advance on this day? Like that doesn't work for me. And I want people to understand that 
as studio owners and ballet teachers, we sometimes don't have the most flexible timetables. It's incredibly hard to, at the start of the year, create a timetable that's going to suit everybody. It's actually just not possible. So what we do is we will set the timetable so that, and what I guess I've learned to do over the years is set the timetable the way that's going to best suit me so I can be the best teacher possible. What I have had sometimes too, and be careful if you are inquiring at adult ballet studios, I have had someone call me and say, you only offer six adult ballet classes a week. I mean, I feel like you should offer more and you should work more. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, I actually also have 250 students that are children and the adult timetable is built around their classes. So I don't teach six classes. I teach like 36 classes during the week. Anyway, so when... If you, re- I just feel like if you really want to do something, for example, starting adult ballet, you will make the timetable work. You will just make it work. We all do. If we really want to do something bad enough, we make it work. So I highly strongly suggest you attend the class that is best suited to your level because you're just going to get the most out of it and you're not going to miss those imperative building blocks of technique on the way up the levels. Now, when it comes to parents um, and this question, I actually have a flat out no. Um, One of the reasons being, say um, a six-year-old who should be in pre-primary ballet, that day doesn't suit the parent and they want to go into primary, um, which is the next level up, which is the seven and eight-year-olds. It's sort of okay for now, but if they continue their ballet journey and they end up being a 11-year-old as the 12 and 13-year-olds are getting their point shoes, they're going to be part of a class cohort that is all getting their point shoes and they're not allowed to because they're the youngest of the group. I have been caught out with this over the years occasionally, sometimes when, I know this does happen, when parents actually lie about the child's age so that they can get into a higher level class. But it comes out in the end because at the end of the day, when they go off for pre-point assessments, if they continue their ballet journey, they are then kept back and it's just really not great for their mental health or their um, motivation, I guess, to keep dancing if they have to wait that extra year for their point shoes and the rest of their classmates are doing point work. So that's actually also only one example of many things that can happen when a child is not the correct age in the correct class. So I try and avoid that at all costs. Now, number six, (laughs) this is an interesting one. I will get an inquiry and it's actually usually a phone call and it's around the sort of lines of we don't like our current studio, yada, yada, yada. Um, Can we come to yours? And it's usually the parent of a young, young dancer and the dancer is usually very keen and very enthusiastic and oftentimes the parent is really enthusiastic about the child's uh, career in dance just read between the lines there um, and what they will do is they will on the phone tell me all the bad things about their current studio and I know that some teachers would engage in this conversation and possibly say oh well we don't do that like we do this and 
and um, that's terrible that that happened to you. Oh, sorry. Yes, that person has a reputation or blah, blah, blah. I actually don't engage and I steer the conversation very quickly to, well, um, I'll grab your email address and I'll send you through some further info so you can take a look at what we offer and I bring it back to, you know, what does your what is your child interested in and basically insinuate that I don't really want to have a discussion about your old studio because sometimes I, well, most of the time I actually know the studio owner that they're talking about and they might be a friend of mine or I might actually agree with some of their practices. One of the questions that always comes up is, sometimes in this particular case is they'll go oh and my daughter just wants to do contemporary but the teacher's making her do ballet and like how ridiculous is that blah 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 if they you know want to do contemporary they have to do ballet and that's when I will jump in and go well actually we do that too at my studio so they have to do ballet if they want to do contemporary and and these are the reasons why and so sometimes not all the time but quite a few times I actually end up backing up the current studio that they are at and tell them they should stay there because they won't find it much different at mine. So they're always fun conversations. Um, Number seven, what am I up to? Seven, I'm just after a, inverted commas, fun class, do you offer those? Now this is one I get from parents and adult ballerinas. In the adult ballet context, I say first and foremost, what do you mean by fun? Do you mean fitness? Do you mean you want to drop a dress size for your wedding? Do you mean you want to come and have a big chat with your girlfriends in between exercises? Well, this is not the place for you (laughs) because the practice of ballet, and I always say this, the students that really focus, that are really disciplined, that are really enjoying and enthralled by what they're doing, they are having the most fun. And I think sometimes people think that a student that's really incredibly focused, like, you know, when you can see it in their eyes, like they look almost a little bit, um, sad's not the right word, but they, they're not smiling because they're just so focused. And people, you know, I was that student. <laughs> I had to be told by my mum all the time, could you just smile a little bit, Georgia? Like you don't, you almost look like you're not enjoying yourself but it's because you were just so enthralled. And I think some people look at that and they think, oh, those children are so unhappy. But really what they don't see is after we've just perfected, you know, like this beautiful plie exercise with say my, you know, 10 year old students. And then we stop the music and they go, oh, and they're like, that was so good. And everyone has a big laugh or a big smile or a big, yay, we did it. And, um, and but in that moment, in that, exercise that people watch it's like oh they look like they're not enjoying themselves when really they're really enjoying themselves in regards to a fun class um if you're listening to this podcast you're probably not after the kind of studio that offers a fun class and what I mean by I'm using inverted commas every time I say that fun class is one where there's lots of talking permitted it's just a catch-up it's very social it's hanging out with your mates not much gets done um there are studios, plenty of them out there that offer that. And I'm very clear that if that's what a student wants, then we're not really the right studio, you know, for them. We have lots of fun in our classes, but we are not a, inverted commas again, fun class. So it's a hard one to explain, especially to people that aren't part of the ballet world. And I do find those conversations really tricky because 
the parents will just go, especially parents, well, is it fun or not? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) So it's very hard to describe the deep-seated fun that us crazy ballerinas all have um, in class, you know, doing these monotonous exercises over and over again. Anyway, so number eight, I've tried to book in and the class is full. Could you please make room for me? Especially during COVID times, you know, your ballet studios are playing with numbers and juggling constantly bookings and ensuring that we have the correct amount of space per body, etc., etc. And the problem with can you make room for me is that if I have a class of 20 and it's full and I get asked that question by five people, that's then 25 people. And one time I actually did, I can't remember the reason why, but I did let somebody join in. So I had 21 in the class and that particular client then came out and said, oh, today was a bit full, Georgia, like lots of people. And I literally, my jaw dropped. I was like, oh my gosh, like honestly, you were the extra person. I can't believe you just complained about having too many people in the room. So that's always an interesting one. Um, Yeah. Make sure you book in, get in early, be organized. Otherwise, that's life. You miss out. (laughs) Number nine, my child is going to be in senior school this year. So she's going to drop to one class per week. Now, this is obviously a parent of a young ballerina. And I get this sort of email all the time at the start of the year. Well, actually, no, I don't get it all the time. I used to get it all the time when I was a less established studio and, you know, hadn't sort of... I guess, express the many benefits of sticking to a regular co-curricular activity um, of senior education students. So I think what happens is when students reach year 10 or 11 or 12, parents often think that the more time that they'll have to do their academics, the more academics and assessments and assignments that they will do. Um, I'm here to tell you that they won't. (laughs) So first and foremost, the more time they have, the more they will procrastinate. I can tell you that right now. What do they say? Give a task to a busy person and it will get done. It's sort of the same with this situation. The second thing too is that it's really important for students in those stressful years of school to have an outlet And if you take your student away, your child away from their, you know, their ballet community, their environment that they love so much, their classes that, you know, make them sweat and perspire and burn off energy and, you know, refocus them and let them sort of just relax a bit so that when they sit down at their desk to study, they're they're just so much more focused. If you take that away, you're just left with the child with too much time on their hands. I'm going to tell this story that um, it's it's been a few years now, so I feel like it's okay to tell this story. A few years ago, I had um, this beautiful student who um, left my studio for this reason. Mum wanted her to focus more on her academics. And because she was a bit of a troublesome student, she loved dance, she was very good at dance, but she was a bit troublesome um, at school, didn't quite focus. So mum thought that by pulling her out of dance, she would focus more. A few years later, I was sitting at a cafe and this lovely, sweet lady came up to me and she said, Miss Georgia, 
oh, it's so good to see you. How are you? I'm so-and-so's grandma. And I was like, oh, yes, no, I do remember you because she used to drop the student off all the time. And I said, how are you? How's, you know, how's um, your granddaughter? And, and she said, oh, Georgia, I can't even begin to tell you just how disappointed I am that she gave up dance and your studio and your environment and your presence in her life um I don't know what to say and I just sat there and I was like what do you mean like I was so confused and she goes honestly and this is what she said don't go on her Instagram basically when she gave up dance all she did was have more time to take photos of her butt and share it on Instagram (laughs) and I almost fell off my chair and I was like oh, it can't be that bad. And she goes, no, I'm mortified. Like she just, when she gave up dance, she had so much more time for partying and boys and, you know, underage parties and and for, you know, just getting up to trouble. And it was just really sad to watch. And not being her mother, you know, I couldn't really do much about it. And what I thought was going to be a really beautiful, you know, connection with uh, an ex-client's grandma turned out to be a really sad experience where I then just like, I just didn't know what to say. So that is one very extreme example of a student giving up dance and sort of going downhill. But, you know, it happens on a spectrum. And I have been doing this for long enough now that I know that any students that give up altogether or drop to one class from doing five a week they just it doesn't really end well especially if the student doesn't want to so that's a really tricky inquiry that I have to deal with that I'm also I get really passionate about and I think sometimes when I get really passionate about it the parent thinks that I am holding on to the fees that they're paying for those classes. And I'm absolutely not. I actually, especially after that story that I shared with you, I just feel a responsibility with these children to help them through their final years of study by providing them an outlet that they can go to and dance and, like I said, sweat and, you know, rebalance their energy. And I can't do that if they're not there or if, they're coming once a week and missing the camaraderie of their their ballet friends because as we all know there's nothing quite like ballet friends they're the best and finally number 10 so this inquiry is pretty funny I'm actually going to read a real life one you ready this is the email I received and I've received versions of this email many times over the years dear studio director I'm writing to inquire about ballet, contemporary, jazz and musical theatre classes for my child. She has so much talent and musicality. My husband and I are just blown away by how natural her ability to dance and move is. She spends all her time dancing in front of the television, copying dance mums and the routines on So You Think You Can Dance. And I would like to know about your audition process and training for her age group. By the way, she has just hit two and a half years old. Hope to hear from you soon. <laughs> and with that, I'm actually not even going to comment. I'm just going to leave you to chuckle to yourself and wish all my balanced ballerinas a beautiful week. And I'll check in with you all soon. I hope you enjoyed this random rogue episode of the Balanced Ballerinas podcast, something a little light with a little bit of depth thrown in to sort of start off our year.
keeping things real, keeping things balanced. Love you all lots. Happy Valentine's Day.